Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate Watson, and I'm here with a friend of mine. We go we go way back. Um, and so I'm going to let you introduce yourself, Michelle. Would you like to say hello to everybody? Yeah, good, good morning. Well, it's morning when we're recording this. Um, but I'm Michelle Drapkin. I'm a board-certified psychologist. I'm also a behavior scientist. Um, I own and run the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy Center, which is based out of New Jersey. Um, and I have a book that's um, that's coming out from New Harbinger that we're get, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about today. I'm very excited about. And yes, we go way back because um, I've been doing this motivational interviewing thing for like 20 plus years. Um, so really excited to talk with you more about that today. We both simultaneously like kind of smiled and cringed at 20 years, but yeah, like we've been at this stuff a while. Um, and I think I speak for us both when I say we're still having fun with what we do. Oh my gosh. So much fun. I like, I love this. I, uh, I got to do a training for some community health workers, uh, the last couple of year, weeks in Camden actually. So not too far from you. And it, it and I just leave almost, uh, like high on MI, <laughs> high on training, high on helping people help people more effectively. I just think it's, it's so consistent. So I define my meaning and purpose as better access to better care. And so it's not just about increasing access, but it's helping people do a better job at it, which, you know, is so both pieces are really important. So I get so excited when I get to do it. So well, that's really well aligned with what we do here, um, better access to better care. And although you probably spend a lot of your time teaching professionals how to deliver better care, you know, this podcast is and always has been about helping everyday people look out for each other a little bit better. Um, and I, I reached out to you, Michelle, because even though our show is about helping others, over the years, I've dabbled in like, well, what does it mean to help ourselves? What is self-help? What is self-care? Um, and I, I never feel like I'm doing it justice. And then I saw that you had this book coming out. And I was like, well, this just feels like the perfect time to get somebody who really knows what they're talking about on this topic of helping ourselves in some way. So maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about the book. Sure. Um, so listen, the book wasn't easy to write because as you know, the work that we do in motivational learning is really about helping, you know, initially helping clinicians. And then I've done some of the work of helping, um, leaders and organizations. And then it was just really thinking about, well, you know, I would spend a bunch of time in sessions because I do a lot of individual, but also couples work, um, teaching, essentially teaching MI to couples and, and helping them help their partners, but also just thinking about, well, you know, how do you use these skills on yourself and how do you have um, some self-compassion and some empathy for yourself um, and really just empower yourself to make the changes that you want to make without like beating yourself up 
um, or overwhelming yourself. And so really thinking about leveraging some of the tools and skills that we as clinicians have used um, or taught partners and friends, but how do you turn those on yourself? Um, and there's sometimes I got to admit over the last two years, I was writing this book, some you know, mental gymnastics of like, well, how do we make this happen? Um, and, you know, I'm really excited what, what, what we came up with and, you know, it changed, listen, you know, you have this podcast, you and I've been doing this work for so long, change is really hard. And so one of the things I say is like, listen, this book doesn't make change easy. It just really helps partner with you on the journey. And so it's really, that's kind of what it is. It's really this this partner, this tool to help you more effectively dig in and help yourself in a way that is really much more effective. I love that. It's not about making change easy, but it's supporting you to do the hard work that's kind of inevitable. Like you're gonna have to do hard work. Nobody can take that away and and make it simple, but let's figure out how to do it. So I think that's a really great approach. Where do you think people sometimes go wrong? Like when they're trying to make a change in their lives, I'm thinking about people who are like, I want to get healthy. I want to save more money. I want to quit drinking. I need to have better relationships. When people want to make a big change in their own life, this is not about, you know, helping other people, but helping themselves. What are some of the things that you think people do that are maybe not so helpful? Do you have some ideas about that? I think that in this, so listen, this is the Michelle Drafkin version, because one of the things that's really important in the work we do, right, is uh, everyone has their own expertise. So, so take this for what it is or, or leave it if it doesn't fit for you. Um, but one of the things that I think often happens is people set a goal without really thinking about the why behind it. Um, and so one of the things I very deliberately did in the book, which also overlaps a lot with acceptance and commitment therapy, right? Which is another area that I spend a lot of time in my clinical work doing is really just a lot of values work. It's like the why and who are you? Who do you want to be? And then what goals align with that or where are the gaps between who you want to be and who you are today? And then you look at, well, what what's there? So if it's health, well, what pieces of health, right? And then you set, and now, now your goals have roots and they're just a lot stronger than just like kind of a fly by night. And I think that's one of the first places that people often get into, I'm air quoting trouble, um, is they just go off with like a goal and a plan without like really stabilizing themselves with the why. It makes sense. You're talking about getting started on the right foot and maybe even not getting started until you are clear on your purpose and your direction and having, um, when I say strategy, I don't mean like, you know, I'm going to go to the gym three times a week. I mean, like your, your overall strategic plan of your life. Like what is it, what is in, what is important to you? Um, that makes sense. I'm also thinking about a lot of things that people do um, that <laughs> probably just suck to experience and aren't helpful anyway. Like, like they set goals that are way too restrictive or like way too hard and it's miserable. And for what? Like it's not getting you any closer to any of your goals or they punish themselves when they don't hit a particular goal by a particular deadline. Um, is there anything else like that that you can think of that just like maybe isn't as helpful as you might think in the moment? 
Well, I got to tell you when you were talking, I was like, oh, I feel like we're so aligned because I talk about in the book how I hate SMART goals. (laughs) I think SMART goals are so limiting and they put you in this tiny little corner. And if you don't, so for anyone listening who doesn't know SMART goals, I know I'm going to mess this up because, but it's everyone, a lot of people know SMART goals because they're often part of our work performance evaluations. It's like, what's your SMART goal for the year? And they're specific. That's the S measurable, attainable, um, what's the R, reasonable or something, and then time limited. Everyone is a different way. Did I miss the acronym or is that? I think you are right that some people define it that way. I think some people call the R, um, what you said, reasonable. I think they, it's realistic. Thank you. Yes. Um, Okay. So yeah, so SMART goals, um, all right. So reasonable or realistic, pretty similar. <laughs> um, listen, it, it's just, I think it just puts you actually one of my favorite people in the world, um, whose podcast I would also love to be on is Dan Harris from 10% happier. And Dan is I, what I love about Dan is he, he does what you and I are doing for sort of the world of, uh, motivational interviewing and helping professions and helping in general, he does for mindfulness, right? He calls himself like, mindfulness like vigilante I think or something like that um but he talks about meditating the goal is not daily it's daily ish Uh, okay so one of the things we know right is something called the abstinence violation effect is the big fancy term for what many of you might know as the fuckets or the screwits um and what that means is if so going back to Dan Harris's daily ish if for some reason i forget to meditate one day or do a mindfulness exercise your mind might be like ah fuck it like i'm done i'm off the rails um the other example that might fit um if you are trying to be healthy which i often am trying to be healthy and i talk a lot about there's a lot of you know self disclosure in the book of you know i i'm often trying to make better choices but if i come into work um, and someone has brought in munchkins, Dunkin' Donuts munchkins. I have a Dunkin' Donut munchkin and I'm like, ooh, without even thinking about it, right? And so now I might be like, ah, fuck it. I had a munchkin for breakfast. Now I'm gonna have McDonald's for lunch and blah, blah, blah. And so really the idea of setting more flexible goals is so that we have some wiggle room in there for ourselves because guess what? We're not perfect. Um, And we have to have, and I um, include self-compassion in the book because I really thought having some self-compassion on our behavior change journey is so important. So when we do fall, we're like, oh, that makes sense that we fell. And this is a really hard thing. And I can also get back up. And I think that's one of the places where we often go wrong is this really narrow um, idea of what success is and then the lacking of the ability to tolerate it and move forward. Yeah, I also, I I often think about the people who say things like, you know, go big or go home or go hard. And they have this like um, intense sort of like militant approach to like, everything must be extreme. And when they hear us talking about self-compassion, I imagine they're thinking that's like wimpy or weak, that's for losers. But I think your point is that you are actually like 
far more likely to be successful. It's it's a different way of going hard, really, if you're willing to be compassionate, forgiving, give yourself grace. It sounds soft. I'm using air quotes now. It sounds soft. But in many ways, it is the more effective approach. And so there's nothing wimpy about it. It's actually taking a, a strength of yours to tolerate a little misstep. And it's strong people who can tolerate, oh, oops, I had a, a munchkin and I wasn't even thinking, um, rather than you know going so hard all the time that it becomes impossible and you ultimately set yourself up for failure. Yeah, 100%, right? And I think you're right that it's um, there is this like lack of, I mean, a lot of us are perfectionists, right? So a lot of us are high achieving perfectionists and we don't really have that ability to tolerate some of the mishaps or some of the mistakes. And I think that's really, even in the change journey, right? And so sometimes it's like, well, I, I, I'm not gonna fail, why bother trying? Or this gets hard. And so you're right, this is this like muscle that we need to build to help ourselves stay in it. Um, there's this great little story about, um, and I put it in the book because I love it, because I think it's about a farmer and who has to get his donkey to the market. Um, and, you know, there are lots of different ways to get your donkey to the market. Um, and one farmer just beats his donkey with a stick the whole way, right? Come on, donkey, like, boom, boom, beating him, beating him. Donkey gets to the market. Donkey doesn't know much better, but is like worn down and beaten up and like, eh, we're here we're at market, right? They made it. They got to the goal. Beaten up, bruised, all of it. If you think about sort of a different way of doing that, you think about how do we empower the donkey? How do we help coach it, coax it, give it the carrots and help it get to market? And it gets to market maybe about the same time, maybe a tiny bit slower and it's happier, healthier, and it has better eyesight because it's eating all these carrots. And so think about yourself as a donkey and how we often beat ourselves up along the journey. And so maybe you get to the same goal that I might. And how do we look at that end of that goal? And who do you want to be? And how do you want to treat yourself? Um, and so that's really just thinking about that. And what are the carrots, right? So it's, uh, you know, sometimes carrots are just like some nice, kind, encouraging words, or just some acceptance of the change journey and what it might look like. It is a great story. Because I think a lot of people do hit their goals feeling like a beaten up donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think um, I I'm hesitant to share the story because it's it's about a a real person who may not want me to share it. But I I'm just thinking about somebody I know right now, who recently hit a goal, and then spent the next two weeks like laying in bed, and and every day that I checked on this person, they were like, "Well, I'm in recovery. I'm in recovery. I'm in recovery," and I just thought to myself, like, I guess looking at this. I now know that I want to hit goals that I don't need to recover from for two weeks. Um, I want to arrive at this destination, if there even is a destination. Um, but if there is some finish line, which I think often there isn't, but if there is, I'd like to reach that finish line feeling like my best self, not my beaten down self that needs some time to recover. In fact, I, and I don't know that you're alluding to this, but I was just remembering that one of the first times you and I had conversations, this goes back probably like 15 plus years. So it tells you that A, I have a good memory, but B, it was meaningful conversation. It was about running. 
right? And I had just started to learn how to run, which I actually talk about in the book because it seems ridiculous to a lot of people who've been running their whole life that like you have to learn how to run and have to like (laughs) get the the whole journey and process. Um, But I remember saying, I'm so slow and I'm just so slow. Like I could run a 5K, but it takes me like close to an hour. It's like really slow. Um, And then you were like, I'm slow too. (laughs) And it was, and you really helped me like, just accept that that's like, listen, it is what it is. Like, if you're slow, and I was like, but I love, like, I love it. Like, I'm, I'm slow. And I'm like, taking in, like, the journey. And I like looking around. And it's really, I'm not speeding, just, I'm not running just to run. I'm running to stay connected with my values, both of health and well-being and mindfulness, right? All of the above. And running slow is actually okay. Yeah. Um, so my mom is a speed reader. She reads books really fast, like lightning speed. And my whole childhood, she told me I was a slow reader and I believed her that I'm a slow reader. What I realized as an adult that I'm only slow compared to her. Okay. (laughs) And, and that's not actually slow by most people's standards. I'm like a normal reader, but she's just a speed reader. And I think about it and I I spent so many years thinking I'm supposed to be reading faster, but the truth is my mom flies through a book so fast. There's just no way she's enjoying it. I think she gets the basic plot. She kind of knows what happened and she moves on to the next one. Whereas like I'm pouring over like a word and pausing, closing the book, thinking about, wow, that's a great word they used. And I'm enjoying it more and I'm getting more out of it. And I finally embrace being a slow reader, a slow runner. <laughs> I'm slow. This is what I do. And it's just more enjoyable that way. Yeah, and well, and so that's, that's this acceptance thing. So I often talk about this, um, this difference between acceptance and resignation, right? And I think that when people, and so this, to your point, like these really high intense overachieving people might hear something like self-compassion or acceptance and be like, Ooh, right. Like where you mean you're going to lay down? No, like I'm not laying down and accepting it air quotes. It, it, I mean, or resigning to it. I'm accepting that this is just how the journey is going to be. And the reality is, and this is why, you know, I really think the acceptance that changing any behavior that's important to you is hard is really an important, like, point right um so it's and sometimes I think some of the books out there some of the way people talk about behavior change just they make it sound way too easy and so when it isn't you know what happens we get sad depressed demoralized and we go off of the change journey as opposed to saying like this is going to not be easy so let me like figure out the path forward and really get on it and be really consistent with it and when it when I hit, hit little bumps in the road or I eat a munchkin or whatever else happens. I'm just like, Oh, there it is. There it is. There's the bump in the road. Now let me keep going. Um, and just have a clear, you know, motivation. I think about sort of the the values as like, you know, it's a gas in the tank to keep going towards what's important to me. Michelle, I know a big part of your book focuses on how we talk to ourselves. So what are some key things you can tell us about that? Well, so one of the things we know from research, right, is the more 
you talk to yourself about the reasons for changing and the why you want to change, all of the stuff we've been talking about already, the more likely you are to change. And so coming back to sort of like mindfulness, the awareness is thinking about, well, how do you talk about yourself? And are you talking to yourself like the donkey who is, you know, the farmer who's loving the donkey or are you beating yourself up and just really noticing that and then shifting and having you like reconnect with your sense of why and your, and all of the reasons, everything that's going on, even, you know, there's some exercises in my book to help draw that out so that you can talk to yourself, record yourself, um, even like leverage some of the skills that we use um, in our work to help you just create those roots and that strong foundation to keep you going. So that it all, but it all starts with that awareness muscle, right? Of really just noticing. I think that is hugely important, especially that you include stuff that in your book that people can use right away. In fact, I love the idea of recording oneself. I think that's pretty cool. Um, what I'd really like to do is link directly to your book from our website. Um, and so that way people can go to only trying to help.com, go right to where our podcast is and find a link to Michelle's book so that you can pick it up. Michelle, is there anything else that you think our listeners should know uh, either about the book, about how to get the book, places to find you, follow you, reach out to you? Is there anything like that that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I, I spend a ton of time writing on LinkedIn. Um, and so follow me there. I post lots of stuff about everything that we've been talking about. So health, well-being, communication, motivation. Um, I you know, love, you know, again, the better access to better care is really about how do we help people and give away all of the good information and research that we have in our pockets that so we don't hold it and keep it. Um, and some of it's in the book, but some of it's on LinkedIn and all over the place. So I love um, if people find me there. And if, if anything struck a chord, I'd love to hear from you. I'm very open to receiving emails or messages. Um, you know, and I really you know, I hope that some of what you've heard today will help you help yourself more effectively. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, I can vouch for you that you are putting some really meaningful content on LinkedIn. I can also link to your LinkedIn profile from our website. Um, and yeah, if people want to send messages, I, I know Michelle answers them there because that's where I reached out to you about the podcast. <laughs> um, and so I think this is fantastic. And what I'd love to do is encourage everybody to check out the book. Um, let Michelle and I know how this is working for you. And Michelle, perhaps we can have you back sometime. What do you think? I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.